0: Welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director.
1: Shalom, friends, and welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program. So glad that you're here. Thanks for carving out a little bit of time Uh, to spend with Bobby and I as we share from the scriptures. We're in an amazing series on the Jewish life of Jesus, and we're trying to give some insight into how the Old Testament and Jewish backgrounds enlighten us or help us understand the life of Jesus uh, more deeply and more intimately, because we want to know, the Savior, and the Savior is Jewish. And when we know more about the Jewishness of Jesus, we know more about Jesus himself. And so let's take a look at uh, the baptism today. Uh, the baptism of Jesus was one of, another one of those key points in his life, an inflection point that transformed his ministry, and it was a turning point. And uh, we're going to take a look at it, but first let me uh asked Bobby to say shalom, and uh, so welcome, Bobby. Yes, thank you, Mitch. Shalom to you, and uh, of course, shalom to all of our listeners as well. I know that you've got a lot to say, uh, because you are a baptism person. <laughs> I mean, you like you like baptisms. Am I? <laughs> no, I... Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. You know, B- Bobby and I both work in the greater New York area. Bobby leads the work in New York City, and I've lived in New York. Well, I was born and raised in New York and lived here the last 30-plus years as a missionary to the Jewish people. And one of the really great movements we've had in New York City was when the Russian Jews were coming uh, to New York City after Perestroika, after 1990, 1991. Mm-hmm. And so many, it was like the Jesus Revolution in Russian, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, so many of these people came to know the Lord. It was just awesome. And so, Bobby, we did baptisms in one of your favorite spots the Atlantic Ocean by Brighton Beach Boardwalk, and so we're going to look at some of the Jewish backgrounds of the baptism of Jesus. You can't understand it without understanding the Old Testament backgrounds and the Jewish customs of the day. So, Bobby, tell us about
2: that. Yeah, yeah. So, Mitch, as you know, like uh, baptism has its foundations in the Old Testament, and uh, we we do see uh, quite a bit of ritual baths uh, and bathing take place in the Old Testament. And a lot of it had to do with preparing yourself for worship. Uh, and, and it was a symbolic way to cleanse yourself from any kind of ritual impurity, to uh, to acknowledge your sins and you know the, the, the cleansing waters in many ways. It was meant to symbolize uh, what the Lord would provide in cleansing us, uh, not just physically, but spiritually and, uh, and washing our sins away. So, you know, in in, uh, certain passages that especially have to do with the tabernacle or the temple, which we talked about last week, as being such a central place in the Jewish world, uh, really throughout the Old Testament and throughout the New Testament also.
1: And we have to remember during the days of Jesus, the temple stood. Yes. So all these temple practices were actually being done yeah they were in operation the the life of jesus absolutely
2: absolutely and you know what's also interesting is that uh the idea of uh these this immersion or you know one of the hebrew words that's usually used for it is mikveh uh this idea that you enter into the waters as one person you fully immerse yourself beneath the waters and underneath the water human life cannot be sustained right we can't breathe so it's a picture of some sort of death taking place and then when you rise up From the waters and you take that first breath, again, it's sort of like a a symbol, a transition in our life where we go from being unclean to being clean. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it took place at the temple. So, there's been archeological excavations. If you have a chance to go to Israel today, you'll see some of these ancient ritual baths, these ancient mikvahs uh, that were surrounding the temple complex. Uh, but also, you know there was quite a bit of uh, ritual cleansing that took place outside of of Jerusalem, outside of the temple. You know one one great example again, another uh, wonderful place to visit if you ever get the chance to go to Israel, and that's out at Qumran, where the Dead mm. Sea Scrolls were found, and there was an entire community. Uh, of, you know, some say that they were the Essenes, but regardless, they were a, a Qumran sect of Jewish people. Most likely they were uh, priests who were frustrated with the corruption in the temple uh, and just receded to live in the desert. And what they found, what they've dug up out there are just tons and tons of, of these ritual baths because it was such a, such a priority in the life of that particular community.
1: So tell us, what happened when Jesus was baptized? What, what was the scene? Set the scene for us.
2: Okay, yeah. Well, so uh, first, I mean, we have to get familiar and acquainted with John the Baptist, right? This, uh, uh-huh. this special, unique individual, this cousin of Jesus.
1: So he was, was he Baptist or Pentecostal or independent Bible church or Lutheran? What, what, what was he? He was Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't a Baptist. <laughs> not exactly. Okay. Not exactly. So, John Yochanan Hamat Beel, right? Right, right. Or John Yohanan the Immerser, John the Baptizer, yeah. the Immerser. Yeah. Yep.
2: Yeah. So this unique figure, John, comes and he's uh, he's got this ministry in the wilderness, in the desert, at the Jordan River, not very far, actually, probably ten or fifteen miles away from where this Qumran sect lived, where the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. Uh, and he comes into the wilderness and he's, he's got this ministry as this forerunner of the Messiah. And, uh, and later on in, in Matthew chapter 11, uh, Jesus actually refers to John the Baptist as being Elijah the prophet, as the, coming as this forerunner of the Messiah. So John has this uh, prolific ministry that where he is baptizing people for repentance, preparing them for the coming of the Messiah. And he caught a lot of flack for it. He was visited by a number of leaders from Jerusalem who wanted to go check him out to see if he was legitimate or not, uh, and you know ultimately in the end, yes, he was a prophet of God. And when we look in Matthew chapter three, this is where we see John uh, baptize Jesus. So Matthew three thirteen, this is what it says: Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answering said to him, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of the heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased.
1: What do you think the meaning of that was? <laughs> I always wonder, and who heard it?
2: And who heard <laughs> it, yeah. Well, I think what's happening here is that this is a transition in Yeshua's life and ministry. He is on the cusp here. He, he's about 30 years old. He's been living his you know, regular normal life as the Messiah, okay, not fully revealed yet. And now he is about to begin his, his ministry. He's about to begin his ministry of, of ushering in the kingdom, of proclaiming the kingdom, of, of calling people to repentance, of performing miracles and healings, and, and giving teachings like we see on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and before he begins that process, he goes through this transitional ceremony. Uh, and the response from heaven is, I mean, it's beautiful. It's profound. Uh, and this is one of those passages where we see the triune nature of God on display. We see the Father, we see the Son, we see the Holy Spirit all involved. Wow. And it's like the Father and the Spirit are confirming uh, the authenticity of Jesus as the King, as the Messiah.
1: you know it's it's very interesting. Uh, all that's great and helps us understand it. Um, Jesus was not baptized because of his sin. Correct. See, problem with some of us in not knowing the Jewish background sometimes is is we're a little bit limited in our understanding when we apply it to the New Testament because someone was immersed and even in modern Jewish culture they're immersed if they're going to become a rabbi they're immersed if they're going to get married they're they're immersed uh, if they're out of the Jewish community so to speak for impurity of some sort right. you know and so immersion was always used for cleansing or for to symbolize setting apart something as holy, but uh, because even aspects of the temple were immersed, you know, they mm-hmm. were they were set aside, they were made holy, uh, symbolically. But the important thing to understand is that there's no way that Jesus was being baptized for his sins. That's why correct um, John was stunned. To say, "Am I going to baptize you?" Um, but Jesus says, "It's the right thing to do." Why was it the right? Because he was being set apart for his ministry. Right. And that was confirmed by this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And I think another
2: good word that we can use there when related to baptism, and like you said, Mitch, items being immersed, uh, another good word to use is devoted. Yeshua was proclaiming here through his baptism that he is devoted to this mission and
1: this ministry. So so real quick, Bobby. So I finally got my mother to come to a uh, messianic worship service Mm -hmm. and uh, brought up in a very traditional Jewish home. And uh, so my mom listens to the service, we go driving back home, and I said, so Ma, how'd you like it? She says, it was very nice, okay? Mm-hmm. I said, so Mom, what what do you think? It was pretty Jewish. She said, yeah, but, but the people believe in Jesus, so they're not Jewish anymore. <laughs> I said, but it was pretty Jewish. She says, yeah, it's Jewish, but they're not Jewish. And then she said, I liked your talk, because I preached. Yeah. She said, you should have been a lawyer, you know? <laughs> And then I said, but Ma, you understand that m- most of the people there were Jewish. It was a very Jewish service. We said Jewish Hebrew prayers. She says, look, son, were these people baptized? Hmm. I said, well, Ma, you understand immersion. G- baptism means cleansing. And she says, just answer the question. Were these people baptized? My mother was from Brooklyn. And I said, uh, yeah, they, they were baptized. She says, well, then they're no longer Jews. Hmm. You can't be baptized and be a Jew. And so, in my mother's mind, she was sort of speaking to the forced baptisms of the medieval period, even though she didn't live through it. But baptism took on a negative understanding within the Jewish community because they were, quote-unquote, forced baptisms where people or children particularly were baptized and then adopted by Christian families in the medieval period and sometimes after that. And so everything about being a believer in Jesus that was considered traitorous, or that was considered you know, abandoning your Jewish heritage was associated with baptism. It was almost like that was the ritual that was the lightning rod right. for all of the feelings of Jewish people that becoming a Christian is a non-Jewish thing to do. And uh, so there is what I call the stigma of baptism. It's hard to tell your family you've become a believer in Jesus, and very hard to tell them that you were baptized. Mm-hmm because it's viewed as basically the act of a traitor and uh but it's not yeshua was baptized Uh, we're baptized for the forgiveness of our sins not to forgive us of our sins but to confirm that god has cleansed us and uh, so i wear baptism so to speak as a badge of honor but it's always something that jewish people are rejected for within the jewish community because it's misunderstood and viewed as the symbol of attesting to the fact that you've left Judaism and become a Christian. So, we still have a long way to go to talk to Jewish people like my mother about the true meaning of baptism. So, anyway, I hope that this, this has been helpful to you today.
0: The Book of Daniel is one of the most important prophetic books in the entire Bible. Understanding it is absolutely essential to comprehending and grasping prophecy as a whole. And that's why we'd love to send you a copy of Harold Sevner's book, Daniel, God's Man in Babylon. Discover insights in knowing what the Bible teaches about prophecy, the end times, and our lives today. Obtain a fresh approach to the practical application of these timeless truths. The book, Daniel, God's Man in Babylon is free and available right now. All you have to do is reach out and say hello. You'll find us online at chosenpeople.com slash radio. Once again, that's chosenpeople.com slash radio. Or ask for Harold Sevener's timeless treasure when you call 888-2-YESHUA. That number again is 888-293-7482. Thanks for reaching out today. We look forward to hearing from you soon. New York City, home to an estimated 1.6 million Jewish people. At Chosen People Ministries, we gather believers from all over the country every summer to proclaim the good news of Jesus the Messiah to Jewish people all around the city. We engage in street outreach and follow-up. We also invite our volunteers to a special Jewish cultural day, Sabbath dinner celebration, and more. If you have a heart for the Jewish people and love to talk about Jesus, visit ChosenPeople.com slash ShalomNewYork to find out more. That's chosenpeople.com slash York. We hope to see you this summer.
2: Right now we're going to hear from Ron Ryder. After forsaking his Jewish faith, Ron agreed to return to God if he ever needed him. And when he found himself in a tragic circumstance... He realized his need for God was much bigger than he could have ever thought.
1: You'll see Ron's an anesthesiologist. He puts people to sleep and he wakes them up. So Ron, more than anybody, understands what it means to be woken up in new and resurrection life after accepting Jesus as Messiah, which, by the way, is symbolized by baptism. So you'll love Ron.
3: When I was nine years old, my mom myself, my younger brother and sister, got on a plane from Florida, where we lived, and and we went to Philadelphia. All I knew was we were not gonna see my dad anymore, that they were separating. We lived with my great aunt, my great grandmother, my cousin, and of course, my younger brother and sister and mother. Uh, In many ways, it was a crazy household, but it was a Jewish household. We had a lot of fun. In fact, we even celebrated with a Hanukkah bush around the uh, Christmas season. It was necessary to go to Hebrew school. It was necessary to go to Shabbat services to be bar mitzvahed. And once you're bar mitzvahed, you're free. Uh, that was my understanding. Anti-Semitism was just, it was rampant when I was a kid. It was the, uh, the white kids with the crosses that you had to be careful about. And usually ended up running the other way because they were the bullies in my school. We were really, I mean, there were the Jewish people and they were the Gentiles. So I naturally just learned to stay away from the cross. And that's why I was so curious too, what was in the New Testament that made people act like that? So I would ask a lot of questions and learn a lot about the scriptures and discovered that um, the New Testament was written by Jewish people, which shocked me, and that Yeshua, Jesus, is actually Jewish. Jesus is Jewish? Wait a second. The New Testament was also written by Jewish people. What? The apostles were Jewish, what? (laughs) I I could not believe it. So I started reading um, everything I could get my hands on and learning as much as I could about it. I was getting it up here, but it definitely was not here. Got through college, got through dental school, and um, then did an anesthesiology residency which I really enjoyed, but again, I was very busy and very distracted, and I remember thinking, if I really ever need God in my life, I will just go back to it. Something happened that um, I, I had no control over at all. It was four years ago, and uh, my son Daniel died, 20, 23 years old. And he didn't just, die immediately. I actually got to spend five days by his bed while he was uh, getting worse and worse and worse. And so I had a lot of time to pray. It was totally out of my control. I couldn't fix it. There was nothing I could do but pray. And I remember back when I had told God, if I I really ever need you, I'll I'll come back to you. And basically those are not the exact words I used, but those were my thoughts. This Pushed me. I mean, literally, I was on my knees. It was not voluntary. And when I had to say goodbye to him, knowing that that was it, I, I could not walk. Now, I'm used to being in control. I'm used to dealing with things. This was something that um, I totally, totally yielded to God for. I asked God a couple of things. I said, please, I, I don't want to his dying to destroy my wife and my, my other son, Isaac, or my life. I've seen too many people become victims to this. I just asked for his strength and his power to, just to get through this. And um, I also asked, if possible, if possible, please, we need good to come out of this. Somehow good has to come out of this. And only you can do that. Now, Daniel had, a, had depression most of his life. And so he found as he got older that um, drugs will give him a temporary relief from that depression. It, it was really sin that killed my son and sin in the world. And it just reflected back sin in my life. I came to understand what accepting Yeshua really meant in my life. I knew that I needed to kind of put my will aside and start doing God's will. The overwhelming peace that I experienced would have been enough. But what He's been doing in my life, as far as bringing our family closer together, we have all just grown and continue to grow and continue to be grateful and, and continue to thank God for working in our lives, for making such a huge difference, for making it possible for us to be joyful. I'm also so much more empathetic toward other people that have suffered a loss and I'm able to sit with them and just be still and just pray with them and just offer comfort to them. Um, On so many different levels, um, I've really been blessed. So I'm proud that Daniel made the decision to, to be an organ donor and to give other people uh, extended life. Uh, I mean, that was something that he did thinking of, of others. And Yeshua also died, only he died willingly so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. No matter who we are, wherever we have been, whatever we've done in our lives, there's no sin great enough that he cannot forgive.
1: Shalom friends, this is Mitch Glazer, president of Chosen People Ministries. There is a growing movement of the Holy Spirit among second generation young adults. And we have a great ministry to these folks. There are hundreds of them. There's a beautiful commercial center, two and a half times the size of what we have now that'll seat over 150 people. We have space for children's work. We have space for a cafe. And so pray over the center. We'd love to have you come on a Chosen People trip. But I know that you'll wanna be involved in one way or another to help the gospel go out in power to Israel.
0: To learn more about this new, exciting project, visit chosenpeople.com slash Tel Aviv Center. That's chosenpeople.com slash Tel Aviv Center. Partner with us to bring the love of Yeshua to Israel today.
2: You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. Again, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. And if you'd like to learn more about the history and heritage of your Christian faith, then please be sure to connect with us online at chosenpeople.com radio. We've got a lot of great resources and articles, and you can even request a free copy of Harold Sevener's book, Daniel, God's Man in Babylon. The book is our way of saying thank you for listening.
1: That's right, Bobby. It's a great book, and I know that Daniel will be a blessing to you, and it's a, a- great uh, way to understand the heart of end-time prophecy as well, because Daniel wrote so particularly about some of the events that are even happening today, in my opinion. Harold was a president of Chosen People before uh, a few years before uh, I came in, uh, which was 1997. And he does provide a unique perspective that sheds light on end-time prophecy, and he explains these events so clearly. It's a great book and I know you want to grab a copy for your home library or share it with your Jewish friends and family. You can ask for it today by connecting with us online at chosenpeople.com/radio. Or you can ask for Dr. Sevener's book when you call us at
2: 888-293-7482. And when you connect with us today, don't forget to let us know where and how you're listening to this program. We look forward to hearing from you. And now let's wrap up today's program with the ironic benediction
1: Yivarecha, adonai, viishma recha. Yair v'chuneka ve lecha,
3: Yisah adonai, pana lecha, shalom.
1: May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. Bashem shall Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.